right. talk about what you like to talk about. Okay. And a lot of people are curious about your world, man. So you've really, I've got a little slideshow with some of the stuff that I screen capped off your website. Okay. So I'll be rolling some of that through. Nice. Uh, I've got a screen slide with uh, your book. Oh, nice. Uh, Thank you. Which I really like the new artwork. Thank it's you. awesome. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I have 11 new books that are already in editing right now. So that's awesome. going to be huge for 2020. Um, Man. Yeah. My editor said, we can't release 11 books at one time. <laughs> it costs you a fortune. I said, well, let's do at least three in the beginning of the year. You know, one every month and a half or something like that. Exactly. God, yeah. you're, just a, you're just a machine now. <laughs> I guess once you get to a place where you're getting some momentum, yeah. you can kind of ride the wave. All of a sudden, a lot of doors open. Right. So uh, I'm very, uh, you know envious but you know what you've earned your spot my friend i mean you've really have you've worked hard so you, uh, you deserve everything you're getting so Thank that's you. awesome yeah very, put a lot very, of work in man like you know people have no idea like i just took a 30 minute power nap just to get on this call <laughs> you know i'm saying? telling you man i appreciate it uh, i know it came together short notice but that's all good. you know what your video on my channel you've really helped me out to be quite honest i've yeah. gotten enough views <laughs> wow i'm telling you and it's you know and we're promoting your stuff and so there's like this symbiotic thing and so yeah. um, they're not coming to see me tonight they're coming to see you so which I'm happy about Fantastic. so I'm more than happy to be the facilitator and um, yeah. let you do your thing okay. uh, I guess I got a couple of things I wanted to bounce off of you maybe mm -hmm. some esoteric things Okay. Uh, something that's kind of bubbled up for me lately is now scientists are talking about uh, that it's okay to have uh, psychedelics Right. so uh, uh, my music's fading now looks like we're getting ready to go live okay. I'm going to run my, my start music and Let's do that. Okay, so now we're doing the start here. And that runs for about 30 seconds. Then I'll just introduce you mm -hmm. um, as, I'm not going to get real formal. I think people know who you are. We'll give it, get it going and yeah. uh, uh, hit the ground running. Talk about, uh, um, I guess we could talk about uh, the Emerald Tablets. You want to start there? Where do you want to start? Yeah, we can start. We'll start. Um... Maybe we will start talking a little bit about the mystery school and the language of light. Some of the stuff from the tablets that I taught the mystery school, uh, this last mystery school in um, Dame Dash Studios. And I'll talk yes, a little bit about. Yes, I have a about... slide for that too. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll talk yeah. a little bit about the hieroglyphs and the different levels and all that kind of stuff. You know, we'll just kind of float on from there. Okay, great. Yeah. And we're about ten seconds from this little intro thing running out, so okay. I'll start doing my little. Awkward inter my I'm horrible on openers, but we're just gonna be natural. I think that's uh, yes, more authentic uh, anyway. Yeah. So here we go. We're gonna go ahead. I think I'm gonna go ahead and turn on the audio here. Okay. Okay. Free people of the cosmos. This is Tom Schaefer and we're live. Uh we really pulled something together uh very quickly, uh last minute. Uh it just came together. Uh, I like when stuff stuff like this happens. We've got Billy Carson here tonight. And I don't need to do too much of an, a, uh, an intro. You folks are here to see him. I know that's why you're here to, 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 to listen to what Billy's got going on. Um, he's got some exciting projects going on. This man has been on Ancient Aliens, uh, Gaia TV, multiple different episodes and shows. Uh, Billy is all over the planet. This guy is everywhere. So without too much uh, further ado, Billy Carson Welcome to Free People of the Cosmos. Hey, thank you for having me back. I'm so excited, man. You're uh, always looking out for me, man, taking care of me and giving me an opportunity to spread my word on your network, and I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, you're a, you've are a, you been uh, called to be a, a teacher 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this mystery school stuff, yeah. uh, a lot of the stuff that you're working on. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that, but you have this incredible uh, number of projects going. You're just, you've got just a massive amount of stuff going on. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, you know, uh, man, it's like, it's just everything is um, really coming to fruition. A lot of the dreams and hopes that I've had for many decades are finally really starting to um, come come to pass. And I'm taking every opportunity for every open window and every open door to jump through them, you know. Um, so right now, I've got a documentary that's in production called Black Knight Satellite, The Untold Story. And this documentary covers the Black Knight Satellite, which a lot of people have heard about the Black Knight Satellite. But every YouTube video that talks about it just gives you the same kind of mundane reading the script, you know, uh, word by word history, but not really delving deep into the mystery of the Black Knight. And I'm going to take it all the way back to the ancient Sumerians, the Anunnaki and the Atlanteans. And I'm going to bring it all the way forward in time. And I'm going to talk with astrophysicists, astronomers, news anchors from mainstream media, and of course, some of the top UFO researchers in the world, and some of the top image analysts from my team of anomaly hunters, space anomaly hunters with the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. And we're going to analyze the images that are on the official NASA.gov server that are labeled space junk. And we're going to give you a total analysis from top to bottom. Uh, and we're also going to debunk some of the debunks in reference to the space blanket and everything else. So that's going to be a phenomenal documentary that will air on Amazon Prime as well as Forbidden Knowledge TV, which is launching in about a month. Uh, and then I have the uh, Compendium of the Emerald Tablet theatrical audio book. So basically, instead of doing a regular audio book where I'm just reading off of a YouTube channel, I'm actually doing a production at Dame Dash Studios in conjunction in conjunction with Damon Dash himself, where I'll be narrating my book and then it'll pause and cut off to an a, a reenactment scene, basically, where some of the parts are being reenacted. Uh, and kind of like the Rome series on Netflix, kind of that kind of a feel, to take it to a, a next level of audio versus just a standard uh, mundane read. Um, and then I'm working on another movie that I'm uh, co-writing with my entertainment attorney, Sheldon Williams. Uh, it's called Quantum Walkers, and that's going to be an amazing uh, movie. And uh, that's where, basically, to give you an idea, I'm, it's starring me. I'm on the planet Earth, but I'm in, on planet Earth in two parallel universes. And Earth is the same exact age, and so am I. However, one Earth took a... Nikola Tesla type of a path and has made it to a type 2 civilization and the other earth is uh, just a little bit more advanced than where we are now but still just under a type 1 kind of a type 0 and a half civilization and uh, we're experimenting with technology from ancient jet pillar onks from the ancient Egyptians and um to make a long story short, we match a specific frequency and our, my consciousness jumps to the other earth and the other one jumps to this earth and the mission is now, uh, I realize, um, to bring mankind's consciousness to another level on this planet to help them reach a type 1, type 2 civilization. And in the other advanced earth, my mission becomes to stop the decline of the golden age because I can see the collapse. So that's an amazing movie that's in production right now. 
And uh, and then the last wow, one. Wow, that's a great. Those are such great concepts in oh, one you. movie. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's gonna, I love it it's because gonna be amazing. I felt like the the timeline that we're in. We're you know we always want to believe that when you talk about the multiverse, mm-hmm. multi the multiverse or the this multi universe theory. Yeah. That obviously we're in the best one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think so. I think in this timeline we got ripped off in a lot of ways. Yeah. And. I, I want to see your other timeline. I want to see that timeline. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's going to be phenomenal. And I think it's going to open up a lot of eyes because literally both planets are the same age geologically. And, uh, you know, I'm the same age, you know, as well. But what happens is you can see the two different timelines basically side by side running concurrently in parallel universes. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a very unique take on the on the real quantum mechanics of quantum walking, which is a real actual thing. Our our brains actually do that. So a human being is a multi-dimensional being, and scientists discovered that the synapses in our brains literally phase in and out of the third dimension. Uh, and you know this is real science. So it's an amazing thing that actually can happen if you match if you can match the subatomic frequency of an alter ego of yourself in another parallel universe, it's very possible that you can phase shift into that reality, even just for a short period of time. So it's a pretty amazing concept. Um, and then, of course, Chronicles of the Anunnaki, which is the big production that I'm working on with Damon Dash now for about six months. And so far, we've gotten a lot of work done, and we're going to be releasing the comic book for it very soon. Comic book and action figures will come ahead of the original screenplay so we're really excited about that you have to put together these entire marketing plans just to reach the masses right so i, I understand so uh and you're talking about what was the target date you said uh, that they're trying to come out with this well the chronicles looks like it's probably going to be hopefully the beginning of 2022 uh quantum walkers uh around the same time end of 2021 beginning of 2022 uh, and then the Black Knight Satellite documentary will be this spring, potentially at the latest this summer. If there's any pitfalls, I have it set to a no later than September the 1st, 2020. Uh, and then the compendium will be probably around the fall of 2020. Wow. Yeah. So this Black Knight uh, documentary, are there any tidbits you can give us, any any things that... What you said earlier was mm-hmm. that all the other people are doing the same old thing. Yeah. What have you found out? Anything uh, that we, we, we didn't know already? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, I don't want to give it all away, but there are some amazing things about this satellite that, um, that's, first of all, it's a real object. It's not, uh, mis- you know, a mystery or a fake thing or a mythological being or any kind of crazy. I've heard some crazy stuff about it. It's a real solid physical object in the third dimension that appears to be metallic in nature that has a lot of anomalies even on its own surface. Some very strange markings that we've discovered through the image analysis, very detailed image analysis. Um, and also some of the history about it where it, um, you know, it's changed course a few times and made its rounds. And then also some very prominent figures in government in other countries that have uh, made uh, extraordinary claims, I would say that extraordinary claims uh, that will that will blow everybody, everyone's mind when they see them and actually hear them saying this. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's a real object, and it's um, 
you know, it's basically owned by the Anunnaki or, you know, or the ancient Atlanteans, which well, is really the same you know, culture. Maybe, maybe a little bit about it. Um, I understand that uh, even Tesla believed he was picking up signals from it. And um, is that part of the lore or is that uh, something that's been documented? That's real. Tesla initially thought he was getting a signal from Mars, but then um, after further research, it seems he was probably and most likely getting his um, his signals or these these um, messages from this this satellite he was picking right. those up, you know. And then uh, it made Time magazine in the 1950s. It made the front cover of newspapers uh, a couple of times, and it also was other objects up there with it. It wasn't just the Black Knight. It were there were it was actually a, a few objects up there. Um, so far, right now, we've only well documented one, which is the Black Knight. The other two that used to be recorded up there seem to somehow have gone, vanished, disappeared. That'll wow. be, you know, that kind of will be part of the story as well. Where did, where the heck did they go? Um, you know, it's really, uh, really bizarre. One last, maybe a little tidbit. There's speculation on the age of this satellite. What do you think? Well, <laughs> the um, ham radio operators who de- who decoded the signal uh, give it the location. They say it's the location of the Buatis star system where it was 13,000 years ago in the sky from based from Earth. So from our perspective on Earth, it would have been, you know, if you, re- if you rewind the, uh, the procession and the constellations, it was where you can see it about 13,000 years ago, right before the, you know, Ice Age. So, or right towards, you know, the end of the last Ice Age. So basically this thing has been up there potentially for at least 13,000 years. Wow. Yeah, and it's and, in a retrograde uh, orbit, by the way. It's <laughs> something we couldn't do until recently. And I guess throughout this documentary, you're going to maybe look at what the probable intent might have been to monitor us or to maybe even oh, see. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. We're going to go over the monitoring. The all It's the all-seeing eye uh, you know, of Enlil. So it's going to be an amazing documentary. I, I, I can't wait. I mean, it, you're putting in an amazing amount of effort and quality. I look at what you did on this upgrade with um, the Emerald Tablets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it just keeps getting better and better. Thank you. Uh, now, this latest release of Emerald Tablets, is this the same one, or have you actually gone through uh, more and more upgrades? Well, it's, uh, it's a lot more upgraded. So the first book, um, I didn't have a professional editor go through it. And uh, a young woman I was speaking at Isetti Ranch in Washington uh, State, and uh, she came up to me. She bought the book, and she came to me the next day. We were like there for seven days, and she says, "Hey, I want to talk to you. Um, you know, I'd like to, you know, talk to you about your book if you don't mind." I said, "Sure." She goes, I, "I have a few things I'd like to tell you about it if you don't have a, you know, a hard ego if you're able to take it." And I was like, "Listen." I'm open to criticism. I'm, I'm open to everything. I want to hear everything from everyone so I can figure out, you know, the best route for me. She says, well, I just want to let you know, first of all, I'm a book publisher um, and um, I own Winter Wolf Publishing. I was like, wow. And she says, first of all, I want to tell you, I love the book. The content is absolutely amazing. But the science articles are too over the top, like it's over sciency. It's so much so that the average person will never grasp a lot of the information in those science articles. They need to be rewritten, and uh, uh, she didn't use the word dumbed down, but she used like uh, simplified. She, so she says, you know, simplified to where the average person can consume them, digest them, and understand them. And then she said, uh, you have so many pages, book is 444 pages, and you don't even have an acknowledgments and thank you section. 
She said, a lot of the images you put in the book are too large. You can shrink those down and uh, your font is too big and the space in between is too much. And, you know, so so she really just started breaking down the book to me and showing me where I can tweak it and change it and do a professional edit on on it. So it's really the same book, but it just became so much more easy to understand, much of a smoother read. Um, and uh, uh, she was able to get me to cut the book down to 238 pages, which finally made the book profitable, thankfully. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the artwork that she did was just absolutely astounding and true eye-catching art our artwork for the cover of the book, which really absolutely. grabs your attention. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I definitely, I think this is just over the top. And the feedback that I've seen uh, in comments mm -hmm. on videos and throughout any kind of searches, this seems to be one of your premier uh, pieces is this book. Yeah. People absolutely love the material. Mm -hmm. And so I'd recommend to anybody. You had sent me one of the older versions. I have not seen this new one, so I'm going to have to get the newer one. Oh, I'll send it to you right away. I'll send you a couple so you can give away a couple to your listeners Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to do a quick shout out to the folks in the chat chat room. Um, Nancy Volker is there. There's been a few other people mm. in and out. Um, and I just wanted to give them a shout out. Okay. If you have questions for Billy, be sure to paste them in the chat. And I keep trying with freeconferencecall.com. I'm going to make it work. Uh, if you've got a call and you want to call in and you've got a question for Billy, uh, we'll bring it through there. Um, and then I also want to welcome a good friend of mine from Seoul, South Korea. Jaffe Ryder is uh, sitting in the wings. And Jaffe, you might have some questions. I know this is a little bit outside your wheelhouse, but uh, maybe something will pop up and you want to give a, uh, give a thumbs up. Maybe there's a question you have for Billy. Uh, maybe there's something you want to comment on. So you've got, got, we've got to the book, uh, the movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about the mystery schools you mentioned. Yeah. Pull the slides up. I got to find out which one that was here. I've got some slides. People can take. Oh, here we go. Yeah, the mystery so, school's uh, been amazing. Oof, wow. I've got that one picture up that uh, you have on your website that shows the class. Okay. The people there. Maybe explain that a little bit. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I I was talking to Dame Dash a few. Well, now it's been about eight months, I guess. Uh, about you know putting content on his new TV network, and he was like, "Please fly out here immediately and let's get it going." So I started doing some episodes of my own show uh, called Forbidden Knowledge with uh, Billy Carson, and he loved it so much. And he was like, "Man, what else can you do? What we, we've got this studio. I'm you know I'm paying the rent on it no matter what. We got to figure out something to do to use this studio." So I said, well, I'd love to do a mystery school somewhere where we can record it professionally, you know, with professional um, cinematographers and, and directors and everything else and have a live audience and teach a real Egyptian mystery school for 12 hours. Bring on entertainment and everything else at the same time to give the people a little break, uh, but make it into a real, you know, a real show. And he was like, that is a fantastic idea. So we set the first one up back in October. And we had it, and it was uh, sold out, standing room only. Uh, people were standing up. When I pulled up, people were lined up, you know, down the street and around the corner to get to get in the studio. And I was like, wow, this is really incredible. Uh, and the first one was absolutely amazing, uh, breathtaking. By the second day, people said that they had felt like a healing process had come over them. Uh, and the testimonials were off the charts. So right away, we set up another one almost immediately for December, which we just had one at the beginning of December, December 7th and 8th. And that one was even more astounding, you know, than the first one. 
We went over now, the Merkaba light meditation. Not to cut you off, but mm -hmm. you just said something astounding. Yeah. My knowledge of what a mystery school class would be, where you're talking about some of these lost arts, etc. Mm -hmm. How did that result in healing for people? You know, one of the things that we do is in the esoteric wisdom and the esoteric knowledge, a lot of it goes into, believe it or not, taking a journey into inner space, finding yourself internally, uh, you know, finding the darkness in you and bringing and exposing that darkness and bringing that darkness to light and uh, finding a way to tap into the divine nature of the divine source energy that's already in your body. And then synchronizing that with the universal consciousness. This is all an ancient, ancient text. So we went into those techniques that I taught them as well as several types of meditations. And the people were just so, you know, guided meditations. They just felt so relieved and so amazing afterwards. A lot of people were saying like they really felt like they were being healed. It was just an amazing experience. Not that I laid hands on anybody or anything like that, like a church, but just they healed like themselves to their, to their own selves on what they went through and what they experienced when they took their own journey. That's what they were saying. In a kind of a simplified question here, do you think that religions, for the most part, that we have on this planet, maybe aside from Buddhism, but do you think that they kind of rob people of this idea of understanding their own personal divinity? Oh, absolutely. That's the main, uh, that's the main agenda of religion. See, religion uh, teaches you to completely be separate from divinity and go through a middleman and spirituality. You have a direct connection with source and they don't want that because if you, if you can connect directly with source, you don't need them. And if you don't need them, they can't pay their bills and, you know, and all that good stuff. So religion is the set up, uh, you know, a psychological matrix to keep you from reaching true divinity and understanding the true divinity that, that's inside of you and keep you tricked into thinking that you've got to live uh, die before you can live. So they keep you basically begging and begging and begging every single day, giving up your money and begging and begging and begging for forgiveness so that when you die, you hope that you did just enough that you can have a nice life after you die. Exactly. Let me <laughs> ask you this. Do you think that this... External, and this is one of my rants, so mm -hmm. this is something I ask a lot. Yeah. But do you think this idea that we externalize divinity into, quote, God or gods, mm -hmm. in, a, in a way because of the, the quantum realities that we create for ourselves, that by externalizing that divinity into these gods, we have literally switch it off within ourselves? Do you think that's true? Well, I think so. We literally ignore the divinity and the power that's inside of our own bodies. So and by externalizing it, we then give ourselves a, a, an illusion that there is a magic uh, sky daddy with a magic wand, you know, that's going to come and save you and, 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 uh, and wish you good tidings. And, you know, and, and the illusion is so deep that if you're in the military, you pray to God before you go kill your enemies. It's so deep that if you're in a sport. You pray to God to, that you can defeat your, your, you know, your foe in, on the battlefield of sports. You know, it, it, these, there's no creator of a universe who can give two hoots about if you're going to go kill somebody halfway around the world and if you can win a basketball game. I mean, they've really taken what our own internal desires are and externalized them and cut off the true divinity by making up these mythological uh, entities consciously. And then thinking that those entities are talking to us when really it's our it's really us talking to us. 
when the voice that they're hearing in their head is their own. And they've, they've, but they've put a, a white robe and a magic wand in its hand. Uh, and another, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and another thing that's happened is they've also labeled this, this, this creator god a he. Everything is he, 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 he. So they've also given it a gender, which is not actually correct. It's all part of the programming. And so as we externalize deity into mm-hmm. something else, we basically are, are cutting ourselves off. Yep. And I think it was in the, um, and I, I used to know a lot of Bible, but I don't anymore. But it was when Jesus said, I've tried to tell you people that you are gods. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly right. Ye are gods. I mean, he's basically was like, you, not only are you gods, but you're supposed to do greater works than I did. And you're supposed to bring heaven to earth. That's the main, uh, you know, the, the, the main agenda there and the main teaching. But um, when you go to these religious centers of worship, they cut you off from that information and keep you in about 20 or 30 other uh, text and verses that keep you, you know, just awake enough to keep coming and feel a little something, but at the same time, not give you enough to connect to the true divinity that's, you know, that's inside of you. And they have you tricked into thinking that you've got to be born again and you got to beg for forgiveness when the true reality being born again is talked about in the Bible. It's called exiting the matrix. So the movie... Wow. The Matrix movie, that didn't come from somebody just making up, well, this would be a great title, The Matrix. No, that came from the Bible. The Matrix is in the Bible. Those exact words, The Matrix, is in the Bible five times. And that's where they got okay. the title for the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you know. I heard somebody say that it's it's not just a movie, it's a documentary. It's a, it definitely is a documentary. And if, I don't care how many Christians you ask, I bet 99.9% of them will never will tell you that they didn't know that it was in the Bible because they don't read the Bible. But the Matrix, uh, it says that it's a womb. In order for you to reach the next level of consciousness, you have to exit the womb. And uh, so to be born again is by exiting the Matrix, which is raising your level of consciousness. It has nothing to do with begging for this forgiveness to escape this um, this fire pit of uh, you know blazing fire and all this other kind of crazy it's a, stuff. It's a religion based on terrorism. Right. Uh, holding yeah. your eternal soul hostage. Because think about it, when you had these ancient... Ancient man, this is my theory now. Mm-hmm. They, what, can, what are you going to take away from people who have nothing? Yeah. So you're going to hold their, the only thing you can hold over them is what you can scare them with mm-hmm. about the afterlife. Fear. That's it. They That's can it. hold your eternal soul hostage mm-hmm. in this life because we can control you in the next. Right. So you need to cough up some coins mm-hmm. and keep the priests happy. Yeah, exactly. So what they do is they, um, they use the fear tech to scare you. And now you're really believing that this imaginary sky daddy with a magic wand is going to put you into a lake of fire forever, which was added to all these religious texts. And then so what happens is you're pretending to love this sky daddy, but you don't really love this sky daddy. You're only following these rules based on your own self-preservation. So based on the fact that you want to preserve yourself, you play along with this system and you pretend to love this entity because you don't want to suffer in a burning lake of fire. You can't have fear and love in the same sentence. It doesn't go together. Those are two. Op- one is a high frequency word, love, and one is a very, very low frequency, and that's fear. And you can't be you can't be in both at the same time. You just can't be. So, you, they, 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 you know, they've been really tricked and, and blindsided by this religious, uh, these religious tactics and. Unfortunately, they even have been convinced that it's, you know, these religions have spread around the world via love, which is false. The reason why religion spread around the world is because it was taken by 
rape, pillaging, murder, and force. And that's how religion got spread around the world. The popes, uh, during the papal inquisitions, ordered the murder and torture of 80 million people over that period of time, 700 years. 80 million. They made Hitler look like an angel. Hitler looked like a great angel compared to what the popes did. So that's how come everybody in these, all these continents don't speak their original tongue. They don't speak their original language. You know, I was talking to a Mexican guy the other day, and I was like, you realize that you know, you're not Hispanic. He was like, no, I'm proud of my Hispanic heritage. I said, well, you're not Hispanic. You're, you're an indigenous Mayan. Uh, I, he didn't understand what I was saying. I said, look, you, you're speaking Spanish, but you're not a Spaniard. <laughs> I mean, do you understand what happened here? He still didn't get it. So it's, uh, it's, you know, we've got amnesia on top of everything else. But the beautiful thing about the Emerald Tablets is it teaches you to make your direct connection with Source. It teaches you that the truth is on the inside of you and to seek the light and to escape the darkness by seeking light and, and raising your level of consciousness to the next level. And, uh, you know, that's really what it's all about. And it's really an amazing, you know, epic. And it really will teach you the power of the divinity already inside of your body. But then lose you. Tom, you there? I had myself on mute. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. I was like, where <laughs> I just did you go? Asked you a great question yeah. too. Oh no. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I just wanted to ask you: How yeah. do you feel about the law of one uh, mm -hmm. as it relates to yeah. what you've been finding out in uh, the Emerald Tablets? Yeah. You know, the law of one material is very interesting. Okay, so here's a conundrum. Some people are like, well, the Emerald Tablets have got a lot of great information, but we don't know exactly specifically if they're really thirty-six thousand years old. And my answer to that is, why do you even care if they're 36,000 years old or one day old? The information is life-changing, altering, re DNA reprogramming information. Stop getting held up on the, on the small stuff. Uh, you know, you ever heard that terminology, you know, you, you show an imbecile the moon and he points at the finger. Now, you look at the, 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 you know, the law of one material, which is all, you know, basically downloaded information to a person and then they've, you know, copied it into a book. So, but nobody. It's a fascinating ever, story. That's yeah, yeah. a fascinating, and, and it's pretty much dead on with the Emerald Tab. It's very, very close, you know. Um, so there's a lot of very intriguing points there, and a lot of interesting information that leads you towards understanding the connectivity of everyone. You know that separation is an illusion; that we're all one. Uh, understanding the divinity in yourself and how to seek the light. I mean, all these things are pretty much saying all the same thing. And that's just a downloaded book of, you know, somebody who channeled the right. information into a book. Uh, but nobody says, you know, what year did you channel? I mean, you know, <laughs> that's just funny. But the book is, to me, is very, very interesting. I mean, if we followed the information in the animal tablets and we followed information in this Law of One book, I think that uh, the world would be a pretty good place. Absolutely. I think for me, this is the danger of the law of one. It resonated so good with me that uh, I got really, it, well, it does have a liberating effect. If you can take for a moment that, okay, now wait a minute. Now this just may be, let's just take the what if and say, mm -hmm. okay, now just wait a minute. Now, what if we take our, 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 uh, what suspension of disbelief for a moment? Because many of us, we, you know, we were talking about religion. I was raised in religion, mm -hmm. embraced all of it. And then I left all of it about 30 years ago. Yeah. But uh, as you look at the law of one, it seems kind of outrageous. Mm -hmm. But then you start understanding and reading through some of this material. And it's very, I would have to say, Spock-like, mm -hmm. the way 
the responses are given to questions. Yeah. And they did a lot of correlation between the responses given. Were these channelings, were they consistent mm-hmm. through time? Yeah. Is the answer always the same? I think they tried to seed a few answers, or a few questions in that might trip up mm-hmm. what they were getting to see if it was authentic. And I think the one thing that really spoke to me was this idea that a lot of these religions came to the planet. I think they mentioned in the Law of One through the Orion group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that this Orion group isn't it interesting. There was that big uh, Hollywood production company. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. <laughs> I kind of wonder were they related? But right. anyway, the Orion group brought in this concept of sin and sadness and um, uh, what do you call it? Redemption, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing, where you had to be saved. Uh, and as you go through the Law of One, you start reading about how you're not born broken. Right. You're on a mission. Mm-hmm. You're to report back to the infinite intelligence. That's right. all you're sent to do is just report back That's on it. the Billy Carson experience. That's it. You know, literally. Yeah. yeah. Literally. That's exactly what you just said is exactly what I just taught this weekend at the Comedic Science Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina. What you said exactly is what I just. We're on a mission to collect data because somebody said, "Well, what, if, what are we here to do?" I said, "Well, as above, so below. Just like your brain is encased in darkness in your head." And your brain knows nothing as to what's going on, but it's your central intelligence. So what your brain does, it says to its five senses, you know, smell, taste, touch, hearing, and everything else, go on out there and get me some information. Gather data for me and bring it back. So the senses go out and gather the data, and they don't know how to decipher the data themselves, but they bring that data back to the brain that's encased in darkness, and the brain then sorts it all out and projects a hologram as to what's going on on the outside, and you navigate through the matrix based off of that hologram. Same thing with the universal consciousness. So it has literally sent itself out as uh, the appearance of separate individuals, even though it's really just like the octopus legs or arms of one source gone out to become trillions and trillions of entities to gather information. It's like we are the sensory perception for the consciousness and we gather this information through our lifespan and we then transmit it in real time through our thought power back to the universal consciousness. Because every thought that you think is literally a light wave, a wave of electromagnetic light. Every single thought you think can be collected by a computer through a a cap that has sensors on it. How is that possible? That's because your thoughts leave your skull uh, in the form of electromagnetic waves. And those waves go on into space-time eternally. They never stop. Just like the radio shows from the 1930s are still traveling through space right now. Who knows how far away they are? The same thing happens with your brain. Uh, so you're transmitting information and it's going back to source. You know, so it's a real statement what you just said there. Well, that's the kind of the quote, the revelation I got from it is that uh, this is all about reporting back the mm-hmm. Tom experience from 2019 in December. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to keep rolling. The film just keeps rolling daily. Mm-hmm. And it's all going back up. I have this I have this phrase I created called my wonderful delusion hmm. because we get these we get these thoughts. These things come to us to seem a little bit larger than our own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten some things that people have called downloads. I have a book I wrote a few years ago mm-hmm. that are people call it download mm. i've gotten some things that are a little bit more outside the normal that were confirmed to me that really i went wow mm. um and so it, it, what people may have seen as pseudoscience or delusional at one mm-hmm. point there's a lot of people getting insights and visions and things they don't understand these are people that are not even believers in ufology or paranormal or any of these things. Yeah. Things are starting to happen. Is that me or do you, do you see this also? 
No, I definitely see it, and it's becoming more obvious. Um, so what's happening is I really believe that there's a lot more indigo children being born now. People are starting to recognize their uh, extrasensory perception. Their intuitions are being elevated to another level. A lot of this is happening because consciousness is raising up on the planet right now. And because consciousness is raising, the frequency of thought power of individuals is going to a spike. It's spiking to a higher level. And that then becomes like a snowball rolling, rolling down the hill. And these higher frequencies of electromagnetic waves then are, you know, as you walk through even a crowd, your electromagnetic waves that, you're, that are emanating from your heart chakra and your crown chakra, your consciousness, are actually entangling with other people's. So if you're walking past somebody that's at the, almost at the crescendo of breaking through to the next level on a frequency level, and your frequency is a much higher vibration as you walk by them, and your field entangles with theirs, you can then shift them to a higher frequency just by walking by somebody without saying really? a thing. Absolutely. Just like now, again, as above, so below. If you look at an atom and it's orbiting electrons, if you take another atom with an electron orbiting it at a lower uh, orbit around the atom, so you're looking at different types of atoms now, different elements, so, so to speak, uh, if you go into the periodic table of elements. And so now what happens is you have two atoms, one with a lower orbit electron, one with a higher orbit electron. And if they collide together at the exact right force, the electron that was orbiting lower because of the extra energy and the higher orbit from the other uh, atom, it will jump. It could jump to a higher orbit automatically around that atom. So the same thing happens when we walk by people and we're vibrating at a higher frequency. You can literally walk through a room and raise people's vibration just by walking past them. And so this is what's happening now. This is like a consciousness virus that's going on on the planet. I love it. Oh, yeah, it's a phenomenal. So it's the best thing going right now. And it really is going to continue to raise consciousness on this planet uh, in, in, a, in an amazing way. Well, how do you, maybe the thing, this is the thing that bugs me, is I get these wonderful insights and these, I, I get, I have a wonderful imagination. The things that I can see, if I had a projector, mm -hmm. would be awesome cinema. But how do we, what's a good guideline for people as they get these insights and these larger-than-life things that they're seeing. Because mm -hmm. I have a friend of mine who believes in none of this mm -hmm. and has seen some amazing things at night and mm -hmm. asked me about, okay, what, what is that? How, what's uh -huh. going on here? Yeah. So how do, how do what's a good rule or what's a path they can take that will help them discern what's junk, what's their own imagination, and what maybe is coming through? You know, that's interesting. A lot of it takes... There's a few processes you need to take. One is uh, I recommend everyone, you know, learn how to do meditation because in meditation, now there's different types of meditation, but the most simplest form of meditation where you're just literally emptying your mind, you, you envision your mind as a giant bowl that has all the thoughts going on inside of it. And then I just watch a hand go into that bowl and start taking out scoops of information and taking it out of the bowl until the bowl is empty. Uh, and then when the bowl is empty or just about almost empty, that's when it starts to allow the cosmic energy in. And in this type of meditation is where I tend to see a lot of geometric patterns and I get information. I just think it's information from space time downloads or whatever you want to call them. But I think that through meditation, uh, these types of meditations that people will begin to get uh, a sense or grasp of true reality. That's, that it really exists outside of what we can just see with our five senses, touch, smell, and feel with our five senses, but 
on another level spiritually they'll be able to tap into the ether of space-time through meditations uh, and then I think it's also very important for people to do a lot of research to read a lot of material not just from one source not just from one book not just from one script or tablet but from many sources all the way across the board because in that way you can then begin to put together pieces of a puzzle oh yeah I remember this did this over here and now this is saying this over here these two things must go together or maybe interact with you. So you start to paint yourself a picture and it actually really becomes kind of exciting because now you're starting to put together pieces of the ancient past and then you can now correlate them to your current time where you're living in and even to your own self. And now you're starting to see that some of these things may not be so outlandish that some of these things may actually be plausible and real. So I think a combination of real intense, true study and research of many uh, you know, forms of information not to mention the, the meditation will then lead you to a better understanding of yourself, a better understanding of the past, because the past is prologue. So understanding the past will help guide us into a much better future. So it doesn't have to be kind of an accidental discovery, stumbling through, you begin to focus the energy. Uh, and I found that in my own uh, uh, exploration that that's very true. Mm. Uh, it seems like when I get into a certain space, um, some things come through and then I get solutions. I get, uh, just some incredible uh, insights uh, that come through, and I, I really have to kind of weigh things and sit on them. Um, what do you think about um, some of these things? Are you familiar with what's called human design? Uh, there's a website called jovianarchive.com. Mm, I haven't seen and that this, one yet. Well, this guy, he died, but he evidently got this download mm. where he, it was kind of like an advanced scientific astrology kind of thing where he looks at the human design of the body and by basing it upon your birth factors, uh, you could calculate what kind of person, there was a basic type, four basic types to mm -hmm. the human um, basic archetype, I guess mm. you call it, what he calls schematics. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's interesting. It's another one of these things I, I call a signpost along the way. Yeah. It gives us some tidbits about ourselves that we may not fully understand, okay, uh, like numerology. Mm -hmm. I think numerology is interesting, and it's yeah. very, I used to kind of dismiss it, because I didn't understand it. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like, okay, this is pretty weird because when I do this, it's like, well, okay, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. There's some real wild moments with numerology. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the gentleman you just talked about that unfortunately passed away, I think he was definitely on to something amazing because through my own research, what I found now just through um, astrophysics and biology, I began to realize something in cymatic frequencies. So right now, our solar system is... Um, it undulates up and down along the galactic uh, equator. Okay, so as the Milky Way galaxy spins like a disc, it's a very thick disc, and it takes us, you know, 27,000 years or so to undulate up and down as we move around this gigantic, uh, supermassive black hole. Right now, we're at, well, as of 2012, we reached the, the equator, equatorial point, in other words, a dead center point of the equatorial line that connects us directly with the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. I use the, I use the LP turntable. Right, there you that, go. That we're coming up and up and up from the backside up right. to the uh, platter, <laughs> and now we're going to, and how many more years before we surface to the top? Right, exactly. Well, we're, we're there, we're at the center right now, and here's what's interesting about that is we're getting these cosmic rays that are streaming out directly from the galactic equator uh, and so but beyond that when you're born at a specific month and a specific time of year 
with the specific tilt of the Earth and different planets and moons in a specific orbit, you then are born under different frequencies, cosmic rays, and gravitational fields. So that's exactly what this guy was talking oh, about. Oh well, they, well, I'm pretty close then. So every what yes. happens Go. is what happens is these fields interact with your biology and your DNA during the developmental process, and literally create the person that you're going to become. Spot on. That was, uh, they even talk about the uh, the angle of inclination. Mm. Uh, wow. In that, yeah, it's at jovianarchive.com. I'm going to type this in right now. This is crazy. Let me save this one. Jovian yeah. Archive? Okay, yeah. yeah. I have to give credit to my, uh, my holistic doctor uh, up in Melbourne. Okay. She turned me on to numerology and to uh, the mm. Jovian Archive. And there mm. are people that are interpreters of this information mm -hmm. and they will give you consultations and all this kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it's fascinating. Mm. Uh, my pattern came up as a reflector. Okay. Which I'm like 1% of the population, according to what they said. Mm. So th there are manifestors, yeah. reflectors, uh, what, there's four basic types. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, uh, that is yeah, it's amazing. interesting to look I'm at gonna, what that might be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look into that a lot deeper, but, you know, because my research led me to understand astrology a lot better, true real ast astrology and how it could work on a, on a human avatar. And, Absolutely. You know, so now I'm going to study that. Uh, I went to a numerologist and got a very interesting reading, and I was given the um, the life number of 22, which is a master number, and it's supposed to be like the top master number. So that was interesting, and that whole reading was that that, that it blew my mind the synchronicities and everything else that I was told. It really described That's what me I'm saying. Top I mean, to I read my numerology. <laughs> Uh, is I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing according to my numerology. I was like, wow, wow. I hadn't been paying attention, and yeah. somebody turned me on to it. In fact, um, I have a numerology calculator on the uh, freepeopleofthecosmos.org website. You oh, can wow. just go there, run your numbers, mm -hmm. and it's got some basic, you know, they're, they're not, it's not super detailed, but mm -hmm. it'll give you, like I said, some signposts along the way, yeah. kind of give you a little bit more insight about mm -hmm. how you line up yeah. in this I guess it's a at a molecular level. Mm -hmm. It's got to be. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, that's that's what happens. So that's how they're able to determine the different um, ways that people respond, act, and 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 live based off of the you know that science data. So if somebody took a long time to act, to obviously analyze this over many years to come up with an idea of what each sign would operate and how they would act and how they would feel and be and think and everything else. You know, so there's some fake astrologers out there, of course, now, but there's a lot, there's real ones, and the real ones know the real science behind it. So I found out that through science, is how, you know, I'm a big guy on science. I like to link science with spirituality, and when I start going into the science, it answers a lot of questions for me, and that's what I found. I came to the hypothesis, which ironically is pretty close to this Jehovah, jo you know, Jovian, uh, whatever you told me, the Jovian the, archive. The Jovian archive, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm, I was a kind of a science-only bigot mm. and kind of abandoned my spirituality for a while, had mm -hmm. to go atheist for a while, had yeah. to kind of clean the slate and just mm -hmm. say, okay, everybody stop, yeah. all this stuff, please just stop. Right. <laughs> and then as I began to kind of dig in through this this kind of this awakening process many years ago, um, I began to kind of understand that it's bigger than anything that we have tried to come up with on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so that the science-only crowd strips away the 
unanswerables. Right. Wait a minute now, I've got some unanswerables here. You guys aren't helping me. Right. <laughs> but they won't go there. So yeah. they label it all as pseudoscience and, you know, it's just fairy tales. But yet, if we take quantum theory, this has been probably one of those moments of thought that kind of helped me. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's all possible in quantum universe, you can have it. If, right. If that's what you want. That's right. If you want that particular religious reality, well, then you can have it. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yep. That's it. We're, you know. So it doesn't discount any of that stuff. It doesn't discount metaphysical. It doesn't discount fairies, goblins, and demons. If right. you want them, you can have them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can think it, it exists somewhere within the multiverse. So I think that's why it's important. We need to think about happy things. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Oh my God. The, the peace and everything else. Man, you just said a listen. That was a mouthful, man. I, oh man, listen. I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday, late night, two, three o'clock in the morning. They called me up, complaining about this and about that, and everything else is going on with them and blah 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 in their life. And I said, listen. Both of us have lived more than half of our natural lifespans on this planet in these avatar bodies. We have less days to live than we have been alive. So the only objective you have right now is to find peace, joy, and happiness. That's the only thing you should focus on. Anything that takes that away from you, block it. Block those people. Delete their numbers. Block their numbers. Don't communicate. Deep, you know, uh, Pull away from that situation, whatever it is. If the second that anything causes you discomfort, anguish, sorrow, pull out and go work on being happy. That's the only thing that matters in this realm. Be happy. Happy thoughts, positive thoughts, and being of service to others. That's it. Nothing else. It's that simple. And that, I think, was one of the rescue factors of the Law of One for me. And one of the things they said in the Law of One is that they understood this liberating power that this message has and people's tendency to turn it into a religion. Mm -hmm. It becomes the New Age religion. And I've Mm. seen people, and I almost feel bad about talking about it myself because, like, well, Tom, now you're promoting it. But there was a certain liberating aspect of it for me away from religion, the fear that I had abandoned these religious principles and I was going to wind up in hell. I mean, that's a pretty gripping thought when you have been raised with this Mm -hmm. stuff. The concept of saying, well, can you just say, I don't believe in God? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's an incredibly frightful statement for a lot of people to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the, for me. Yeah, the, I had you, to kind of get there first, and then yeah. I'm like, okay, now, wait a minute. There's got to be some uh, answers here, and then I stumbled apart, across it, or maybe the universe brought it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you use a very amazing word in there again, frightful, you see? Yeah. That's what Christians and a lot of these religious people are. They're afraid. They're, they're horribly afraid of what's going to happen to them. And so they live their lives in complete psychological torture because they never know if, if they've done enough. They never know if they're good enough. They never know if they've begged for enough forgiveness over and over again. And, um, you know, it's so... It's kind of this, uh, <laughs> and I apologize to the folks that are Christian adherents, yeah. but it's almost kind of like, you know, Jesus loves you, but mm, maybe not. Right, right. Well, you know, I did a lot of study on Jesus, which his name is actually Yeshua, not Jesus. Right. Jesus means hail Zeus. And uh, so you're hailing and giving thanks to an Anunnaki uh, Atlantean. But um, Jesus, which is really Yeshua, Joseph in English, he was a real person because some people debate whether he was real. He didn't exist, blah, blah, blah. No, he was a real person that really did exist. He lived uh, uh, in that area of, of, uh, of Arabia and moved into uh, Egypt at the age of 12. And uh, at the age of 12, he was in this house in Coptic Cairo where the sea, Coptic Cairo, where they had the cross long before the cross of Jesus even ever existed. 
and so in this Coptic church, he was uh, him and his mom lived inside the basement, and it's still there. I've been there in Egypt to this place. It's a tourism spot now. It's a crypt. You know, they've got it uh, set up like a, a museum in a way, uh, as an ode to him. And now, wow. he, yeah, he went there, and then he learned he went there to go study the Egyptian mysteries from the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. That's where he went there for. That was his mission. Okay. And then and also, didn't he didn't hmm? he also intersect with Buddhist uh, monks? Oh, also? yeah. Hell, he left out of there and went all the way to Tibet. <laughs> he went to Tibet to learn Reiki healing from monks and everything else. Healing with his hands, how to access chi energy, qigong and all of that. Then he went down into India to learn the mystic arts. The whole way back teaching reincarnation. And all of this is in a famous scroll, an infinite scripture because they've taken out of production. It costs a lot of money. I had to pay $650 for my copy. It's called the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Uh, you can find a damaged or you know used copy with bent edges and stuff like that for probably like 150 bucks. But I wanted a mint copy. But um, so you know, it's all about reincarnation. It's all about Reiki healing and Qigong and mystic arts and and mystery school teachings from Thoth and everything else from you know. And that's where he was from the age of 12 to the age of 32. He went on this life mission to discover himself and to take this journey to become a healer and everything else. And then more recently, they discovered the book of Jesus's wife uh, out there in the sands of the ancient places and put it on display at Harvard University. And so he was actually married. And in the Sinai Bible, he never got crucified. So it's most likely that he got married and had children and everything else. There was no, well, the crucifixion the, was the fake. Gnostic Gospels. What is your take on the uh, the Hag the Nag Oh yeah, yes, I've got yes. that right here sitting next to me actually. <laughs> that Nag is a completely oh, interesting man. aspect because yeah. here these are uh, documents the same age as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Am I, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken? Yeah, absolutely. They are the same age as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they left it out. They were left out. Why? Because I think in these text is where jesus gets into more of these mystery school ideas is that correct yeah it's all about the mystery school teachings and the fundamental basis behind the non-commodity scripts is the same exact hypothesis that i came up with and that is this i was talking to a person that was very religious and he was trying to convert me into christianity and i sat there patiently and calmly and listened to everything he had to say and I said at the end, let me ask you a few questions about this Satan guy that you guys are so horrified about that you said can talk and whisper in your ear and make you do things. How powerful is this character, this Satan uh, devil character? Oh, he's the most powerful and he's the most, he's almost as smart as God. He was the right hand of God at one point and he's just, he's the most powerful of all the angels. He's a, he's a uh, cherubim and he's got all this knowledge and wisdom and all these powers and capabilities and he's a... He's a being of light and all this other stuff. And I was like, wow, he sounds pretty intelligent. I said, so you're telling me that this highly intelligent entity that has all these powers and capabilities and all this knowledge and wisdom is going to follow this biblical book to the letter, to his own demise. To, I mean, literally, like this is his guidepost to death and destruction for, him, for himself. Oh, yeah. I said, hmm. Isn't it most likely that this book, this version, the way that it's been piecemealed together and and put together and 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 uh, accidentally on purpose mistranslated in these ways, uh, isn't it isn't it possible that he orchestrated this context of the book to lead you down a path of destruction yourself and not himself? That there that the way that this is set up, you're begging entities and praying to entities and worshiping an entity. That may not be the creator of the universe, but may be Satan himself. 
and the guy's eyes just popped out of his head. <laughs> you know, but so when, you know, in religion, you're just told year after year since you're a small child. Yeah. If you're raised in Catholicism, mm-hmm. I was raised in Lutheranism. Yeah. You, these ideas are pounded into you, and you ultimately get numb from being pounded on mm-hmm. with these ideas that are absolute illogical nonsense. Right. And yeah. then as you begin, as you go through an awakening process, and you go, no, no, wait, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. Mm-hmm. How does that make sense? And then somebody else might explain it to you, and you go, wait a minute. I can't believe I actually believed all that yeah. all these years. All these years. It just doesn't make any sense. I know. So the Nag Hammadis figured it out way back then. So the Nag Hammadis said that these people are worshiping Satan. They're worshiping the devil. They're worshiping darkness is what it was in the Nag Hammadi. So they knew right away from back then that it was all about the mysteries and seeking the light and internalizing, understanding the way that the universe works and that the other people uh, were worshiping the, the, the dark entities without even knowing it. They, they talk about it right in the Nag Hammadi scripts. These ancient texts tell you everything. Well, let, let me ask you this. There are good people that still subscribe to like Christianity. And oh, they yeah. will tell you that, hey, you know what? This has given me comfort during the worst times, and et cetera, et cetera. They have nothing but a good report. What do you say to those folks? That's very simple. You see, I can play a very good rock and roll song or a very good R&B song. I'm talking about a platinum, multi-platinum hit. And if it resonates with you, it's going to make you feel all kind of ways. It can make you cry. It can make you laugh. It can make you jump for joy. It can make you feel good on the inside. It'll make you feel so good. You'll play the same song 20 times in a row, especially if it's a heartbreak song. You just lost your, your, you know, your, your mate. Um, so it's all about frequency and emotion. Now, there are some good parts in the Bible. I will not take that away from the Bible. I actually read the Bible over 80 times and analyzed it, broke it down. Uh, went to the original text, went to the Torah, went to Aramaic. I did all of that. I really broke it down to the lowest, lowest levels and the most simplest forms, Hebrew, so that I can understand exactly what's being taught and said in that book. I know more about the Bible than most Christians. Uh, because I, of that... You know, it's interesting for me, mm-hmm. you know where I've kind of come to, and this is just my opinion, and, and there will be folks that disagree, but I've kind of come to a place where, you know what, let's just focus on the Sermon on the Mount and that part about loving each other. Mm-hmm. If we can just focus on that and put the rest away for the time being. I mean, I, I, mean, I know you're a, you're a student of history and a yeah. teacher of history right. and ancient history. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we get, as the, what do you call it, on the more pedestrian side, we get lost in some of the things that don't really help us. We, we need to listen to that message. It seems like the, a lot of the great teachers that have come to this planet where they incarnated here whether you believe they incarnated, it doesn't matter. But they've come here. We've killed most of them. Yeah, we kill them off. We kill them off. Yeah. You know, so I think that the message is in the Bible. There's a lot of great information there that's actually true, valuable information that could be used and incorporated into your life. That's what people kind of go, well, you've been talking about some things about the Bible, but then you use some of the Bible quotes. I said, why wouldn't I use good information? If Donald Trump, which is, you know, I don't support any presidents, but if he got up there and said something crazy... I wouldn't support it. But if he got there and said something that was valuable that I can utilize, I would be like, oh, this is a good quote. I'm not going to chastise him for making a good quote, regardless of how I may feel about the person. So, you know, you, you, there's good stuff in the Bible. There's good history in the Bible that links up with other ancient texts because a lot of it was copied from there. And there's a lot of good stuff that will make you think and retrospect about yourself. And there's things here that can give you clues and hints on how to seek the divinity but when you read too far past those points is when they trap you back and reel you back in again. So there's a lot of great stuff in there that can really help a person and make a person 
uh, clear their mind and think better and you know rejoice and everything else. So you can't take that away. But at the same time, it's still a mental entrapment that's there that for the majority of people will never escape it, unfortunately. There's a rock band that came out in the late, I think it was late, uh, late 90s. I don't know if you remember them or not, called Coolest Shaker. Mm, late Coolest, no, I don't remember them, no. They, um, this was the son of Haley Mills. She was an actress in Hollywood. He okay. formed this rock band and he called himself Coolest Shaker. Mm. And what he did is he took a lot of the Indian um, concepts, mm. the, the Hindu concepts, and put it to music. Wow. And he's got this one song called Tattva, and the one refrain throughout the song is that the truth may come to you in strange disguises. Mm. That uh, never uh, knowing what it means sometimes. We get truth coming from the, the weirdest places. That yeah. it's, If truth is truth, that's how I look at it. If we can look yeah. at objective truth. Right. We have a lot of people now creating personal truth, which to me is, we've got to have some baselines of some kind. We've got to right. have some, some, uh, some landmarks that we can point to in mm-hmm. truth. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Definitely. There's no doubt about that. You know, that's why I read everything. I go through so many different texts, scriptures. I've read over a thousand cylinder scrolls, scriptures, texts, um, books, uh, you know, I mean, you name it, uh, Vedas. And I, I mean, wow, it's just been so much. And I've been able to digest it, analyze it, take out the parts that don't insult my soul. Uh, put together a picture that I can paint to give me somewhat of a decent idea of what happened. Nobody's going to get the exact ancient history exact to the t- to the key because history is written by his story. You know, it's always a version. Um, the winners. Yeah, the winners, exactly. So you're never going to get the exact, but it's close enough to where we can paint some type of picture and get a, um, an idea of what might have happened in the ancient past. Uh, but I, you know, I saw you know, an article like recently that. about this uh, piece of bark i guess they the ancient man evidently they chewed on bark mm. I, I, and they've they've had yeah. these pieces of bark sitting in museum i think they said over a hundred years mm. and they analyzed this bark and the saliva dna that was in that wad that this mm-hmm. ancient person had chewed on yeah. they were literally able to extract the dna mm-hmm. from it yeah and we have we have begun to now uh, they basically could put together who this person who this what this person's physiology was mm-hmm. based on this DNA that they had a certain illnesses. I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Where we're going with technology now is beginning to help us get that ancient story mm-hmm. a lot more accurate. Yeah, it's really amazing. It was like ancient chewing gum, you know. I mean, really exactly. a great story. And the thing about that is, um, DNA is a storage medium. It stores digital bits of information. You know, and uh, so one gram of DNA, which is enough to put a drop on the tip of your finger, can store 433 petabytes of data, which is enough to make 80 billion ebooks and put it on one gram of DNA. So, isn't that coincidental? Wouldn't that hold about 70 to 80 years of memories? Oh yeah, absolutely. You got it yeah. right. You got it right. And but here's what's more interesting: the, the full DNA of the entire body can store 13.5 billion years of data. Which is ironically the same age wow. as the universe. <laughs> so, wow, that's another amazing <laughs> oh correlation. Gosh. You know, uh, well, you know, I, it's crazy. one of the little strange insights that I had was this whole concept of the multiverse that everything's happening right now. We're mm-hmm. just tapped into a particular frequency of all of it happening at once. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. a mind-boggling thought in itself. It is first, uh, you know, future, past, and present all happening at once. So it's kind of likened to being in a house. 
and you're in different rooms in the same house and in each room you're doing something slightly different and maybe even at different what we what we would consider time but you're there simultaneously doing things in the same house in different rooms at, you know at different times so somebody from the fourth dimension or fifth dimension can see you in every single room operating kind of like the movie interstellar right or inception or Inception, correct, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, that was even more bizarre. That was mm-hmm. a very clever movie. Yeah. A lot of these movies, I'm a big believer that a lot of these movies that are seeded into the public consciousness are not by accident. Oh, no, no way. It's, uh, it's enlightenment through entertainment, if you have the I, E-Y-E, singular, to see. You know, an interesting movie that came out, I don't know if you even saw it. I didn't even realize it was out. I think even the lead actor in this movie said it wasn't that great. But I don't know if you saw it or not. It was The Green Lantern. The Green Lantern. Yeah, I saw the Green Lantern, yeah. Well, what I thought was fascinating about it, and I can understand why people may have not liked the movie that great, or Mm -hmm. for whatever reasons, they didn't really think it was that great, but I thought it was really outrageous. They were talking about this thought, the the, the power of thought. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. That was the whole thing behind this movie. I'm like, what? Yeah. Wait, rewind that. What did they just say? Yeah. That this whole thing was powered by the power of thought. Mm -hmm. And this whole movie was just an example on amplifying thought. Right. I was just really, (laughs) even if it was made badly, if people really got the core idea behind it. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic concept. Yeah, absolutely. That just skated right over a lot of people's heads. They didn't even catch it. It didn't download. It didn't resonate. It didn't anything because they're, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, are kind of asleep. They're looking for the complete entertainment aspect and not for the enlightenment aspect not realizing that a lot of these movies try to enlighten through entertainment um you know so uh somebody the person that was in you know that wrote or co-wrote that was trying to drop a knowledge bomb uh but it only exploded on a few of our brains <laughs> exactly and so then we have we have a few others to follow up with we've got star trek we got star wars we mm-hmm. got we got a steady stream of them coming. Hopefully, they're going to reach us with one of them. Yeah, uh, and get get through, get the message through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I'm very optimistic about what's coming now. I'm really optimistic about our a lot, seeing a lot of electric cars now. That's mm-hmm. the big thing: the self-driving yeah. automobiles, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this stuff. But do you think we're kind of being outflanked by our own technology? Well, you know, I think that uh, just like yin and yang, we have you know good aspects of the technology and bad aspects of it. And because uh, we have the dark side, we're going to always have the, like Thoth talks about in the Amber Tablets, the dark brothers that are going to take this AI technology and do things with it that shouldn't be done, like adding it to advanced, super highly intelligent, uh, you know, robots that can outpower us, outrun us and can shoot us and, you know, and outmaneuver us and everything else. That's probably bad. But at the same time, that same technology can be used to help and aid people that are in wheelchairs. So there's a there's a rough balance there. Uh, technologically, you know, we can utilize, um, you know, uh, created technologically eyes to see for people who are blind and, and can't see. At the same time, those same exact eyes can be put into soldiers' heads so they can have binocular vision so they can see their enemy better to kill them. You know, so there's always going to be this yin and yang with technology. Uh, and as we try to struggle through this beginning uh, era of the Silver Age, the Tetra Yuga, and try to head up into the Golden Age, we're like babies that are going to stand up a little bit and then fall back down, stand up a little bit and fall back down. Eventually, we will walk and eventually we will run. This is just really all part of the process. I think another big part that's going to help us realize where we are in this universe is within the next few years, we're going to hear an announcement of alien life from the official space agencies. They're going to they're going to announce it as bacteria on Mars. Uh, 
uh, most likely. And uh, but even if that's just the smallest part, it should be bigger than that because I believe that there's real people living there. But regardless, if they can just say that, that's going to alter the consciousness of the planet and move us into the right direction as well. Isn't it interesting, as much as we've heard from ufologists for the past 70 years, we still, there seems to be this inner desire for people to hear it from, they got to hear it on national TV of some mm -hmm. kind, they got to hear it on cable TV, they got to hear it announced on CNN, they got to hear it coming from the White House or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to believe it until it comes from these official sources. And yet at the same time, I hear a lot of rumblings uh, in the quote, truther community about not trusting the media, all media is bad. And I'm saying, okay, wait, now you can't throw the, the, the baby out with the bathwater. Right. You want this official proclamation, but you don't trust. So there's this weird, uh, I guess, this confluence of trust and untrust going on right now. Right, right, exactly, yeah. And uh, like I say to people who follow some of my pages, some of you have gone and become fanatics. You could be a fanatic in truth-seeking. You could be a fanatic in uh, conspiracies. You could be, you know, you could be over the top. So you can't, you have to have balance. You can't go everything on CNN is a hoax because CNN reported the Hurricane Maria and took a satellite image of it that wiped out my families in St. Thomas and Puerto Rico. And somebody actually said that the hurricane didn't happen because it was on CNN, it was fake. I'm just like, dude, people over there died. Like I have family members that lost everything. You're trying to tell me that this image of satellite imagery of this hurricane, because it's on CNN, that it's a fabrication? So, so what has happened was people have now gone too far over the top, you know, because people are susceptible to fanaticism. Uh, it's just an unfortunate uh, trait of human nature. So they've gone from one way to the two, you know, too far to the other way. So we've, we've got to achieve some type of a balance and a, a level of discernment to understand what's good and what's bad coming from mainstream. What can we use? What can we throw away? And until you develop that level of discernment, then you're just another crazy fanatic out there. Well, I think, too, that, that, that I've seen this where people, they kind of get excited about a particular uh, conspiracy theory or whatever mm -hmm. they've, they've just learned, mm -hmm. and they, they've got to go tell everybody, yeah. um, and it's maybe old news to a lot of us, mm -hmm. or it may have been debunked, and yeah. I get this excitement because I had it as I started kind of becoming awake and started getting uh, alerted to some things, mm -hmm. but I... I think maybe we lose sight of the fact that this awakening is for us. It's for our own personal. Uh, maybe there isn't a lot we can do about chemtrails, but right. I, I don't know what I can do about them. So I let it. I leave it alone. There's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. I know about it. There's nothing I can do about some of these other uh, nefarious schemes that have been foisted on the planet. All I can do is try to get out from under my own PTSD. Get out from under my own negative uh, energies. Get out from under my own. Uh, failures mm -hmm. and focus on myself that in itself is a huge load yeah right exactly you're right that's see that's what you call taking a journey to inner space you see so you do you have the right idea so many of us keep trying to externalize everything seeking salvation externally so long as you seek salvation externally you will never find it you see so you have that's to learn, true. yeah I you, totally agree you, you, know, you have to you have to look inside you have to forgive yourself Forgiving yourself is the most important thing you can do for any blunder, any mistake, any situation. Forgive yourself first. That will help you heal and help you get past that that PTSD stage and then move on into service for others and helping others Absolutely. out of unconditional love. And you can find those two things together. That's all you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we have to just keep trying. You know, we get knocked down by our own failures. And mm -hmm. you're right. We don't forgive ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
There's another phrase I like is you don't have to feel bad about feeling good. There you go. Uh, a lot of these puritanical beliefs that systems that get put on people mm-hmm. that strip them of the enjoyment of day-to-day life. Right. But what kind of clothes they have to wear, what yeah. they have to wear on their heads and what they have to wear on their feet and mm-hmm. everything else and how who they can be seen with and who they have to get permission to be seen with. And all these artificial restraints that we, that religions and a lot of philosophies have put on people mm-hmm. that have boxed them in, yeah. stripped away their happiness. Right, exactly. That's what's happened. It's another big thing that's gone around now is you know, if you're woke, you have to be broke, you know. So, <laughs> I, I, that's I, I can't stand that, you know. I mean, what is that? Wait, you gotta help me out here. What is that? Well, if you're woke, in other words, if you're a conscious being, you're trying to live in this conscious society and everything else, or raise consciousness on the planet, you have to be. You can't. You can't have a nice car or a nice house. You can't have nice shoes on your feet. You can't go to nice places to eat. You should be like this poor, humble person that's uh, got, you know, tore up clothes and everything else, you know. And I don't believe that whatsoever. Um, you know, I mean, everybody, every single one of us can help people on a specific level. And we all have our certain um, missions in life. My mission is to help people on a very large scale. And in order to do that, guess what it takes? It takes some of this fake matrix money to do it. Okay. Absolutely. Because that's where we are right now. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> self-limiting. Um, it's what the folks in the landmark community. I don't know if you're familiar with landmark education. No. But one of the phrases they use is that these these are stories in our heads mm. that we run. We run these stories. Mm-hmm. These, um, for example, uh, let me just make something up here. Um, coffee's bad for you. Yeah. I don't drink coffee. Coffee's bad for you. Right. Or um, uh, the story is, um, I know I don't like green beans. Mm-hmm. I just don't like green beans. Yeah. <laughs> so these are stories that aren't necessarily based in something that's factual. It's a preference. It's a kind of a concept we get in our heads that's a running tape mm-hmm. that, uh, like you just said, that uh, a true monk in the new age is going to have to be somebody who's living this ascetic lifestyle right. of just stick furniture and nothing going on. <laughs> right. uh, that's ridiculous. I think that we've all, if you are, quote, in this woke community or you I guess the first number one rule is sometimes we're not as woke as we think we are. There you go. Okay. And I think that's what but like the Asian uh, philosophies might say. That is the first step on the journey or something like that is mm-hmm. realizing what we don't know or that we just don't know mm-hmm. uh, our own ignorance. And um, But I don't let those kinds of things bum me up because these people that are incarnating for the past who knows how many decades, like you said, indigo children, um, all those all that junk doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. They're sent here for a reason. And maybe that guy that's got a lot of money, he's been sent because he's working on a particular aspect of society and he's, that's where he's supposed to be. That's his mission. Yeah. 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 You know, so I tell everybody, I said, look, you know, you may be in that mindset and that's the way you want to live. That's perfectly fine. At the same time, a person like myself, I mean, you know, giving somebody a $5 sandwich in the corner is great. Do that for a person. I'm on the level where I'm trying to help thousands of people at one time. I've done so many philanthropic things to the tune of now. You add it all up, it comes to over $12 million. Wow. And in order to do that, I can't be in a robe and slippers on a prepaid cell phone making Instagram posts. It's not going to kind of, it's not going to get the job done. Okay. (laughs) It's just not going to do it. You know, it does get ridiculous. It's, um, it seems like we're trading, um, 
old religions for a new new age right. religions. That's and the that problem. scares me. That just spooks me because I I actually you know thirty years ago I got involved in a in a, in a cult like mm-hmm. church that became like a second job. Mm, and uh, so that kind of stuff when I start seeing movements and mm-hmm. I start seeing stuff it just I start getting the willies I start yay. Yeah. Back up. Yeah, wow. yeah. I understand. It's uh. So one of my books coming out in the end of winter is called "Being Woke Doesn't Mean Being Broke." That's one of my books. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think that's these. This is the kind of information that people are hungry for, mm-hmm. um, and that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, hey, I just want to take a quick question here from uh, the audience. This guy's been waiting a long time. Okay. I don't even know if he's still here uh, or this person. Not, not, not a guy. It's uh, Jillian Canestrero mm-hmm. asked. Um, she said, "Billy, can you provide any info about ancient Egyptian ankh tuning of humans as depicted upon many temple walls?" Oh the yeah. Ankh to nose electric circuitry, and she said she read something. I read some humans need tuned only once, and then thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's a fantastic question. I actually teach this in my Egyptian mystery school. We actually spent six hours talking about that, so it's, <laughs> it's wow, a, it's a lot of information. Well, thank uh, you, Jillian. Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> yeah. So it's the Jed Pillar Ankh, D J E D, um, you know, uh, I. Well, we just no I in this one, just Jed Pillar. Uh, but it's from the Jedi. The Jedi were real. The Jedi from Star Wars with the J, that's just the Hollywood version of what really existed in the ancient times. They were really a Jedi force. And they had technology, advanced technology. And one of them was the creation of the Jed pillars for the elite of the elite, like the highest ranking pharaohs and these Anunnaki Atlantean gods. Now, the Jed pillar Ankh had what looked like a Tesla coil on the inside of it. And of course, the standard um, uh, Ankh shape, but it was really an electronic condenser, and uh, it, it has a, had a specific resonating frequency that was tuned to the person that held it in their hand. So each Ankh was specifically made just for each individual's uh, atomic frequency, and it would then be in tune and then resonate with this Jed Pillar uh, condenser. And allow them to walk into portals. That was the main purpose of it. So what happened was, uh, people, you know, saw these gods and everything else with these um, with these jet pillar onks. The onk became a symbol of life and everything else, which is true. But people then use it more more so for the average person for decoration, for you know, just to admire the gods and everything else. Uh, but the true purpose of it, it was a key to portals. So. These um, these jet pillar onks were like extremely extremely important uh, for the elite of the elite, and do, yeah. Do you remember the movie Logan's Run from the seventies? Logan's Run. No, I don't know that one. Runner, insert the key, insert the onk into the door. Oh wow! I gotta look that yeah. up. It's a very cheesy movie. It was a big. It was a big hit. You watch it by today's standards, you go, God, I can barely get through this. Wow! But uh, it's this futuristic society in which people have to be accept their own termination at age 30. Hmm. Well, this one, there is an underground movement of people that are escaping, mm-hmm. and you have to figure out how to get into the underground. Well, this one guy that's in charge of actually rounding people up, he's a cop. Hmm. He finds out that he's on the list now. His, he's got a little, everybody's got a little jewel in there. I think it's in their hand or in their wrist or something. Anyway, when this jewel goes off, you've got a certain amount of time to report in for your own extermination, or we're coming to get you. Well, his goes off, and now his own mortality is at stake, and he begins to look for the alternative solution of running. 
and so his name's Logan, and he decides to run. Oh, wow. And the thing that uh, opens this portal or this, uh, I think it's to an underground tunnel of some kind, I forget what it was, mm -hmm. but that's what the uh, the recording on the door says, mm -hmm. runner, insert the key into the door, and it's an hunk. Wow. So it's interesting that they put that in. See, yeah. more of this seating that's in it. science fiction. That's it, know? man. They, they knew it. So this Ankh was uh, specifically attuned. Now, they, uh, you know, in Bosnia, they have this Valley of Pyramids there. And uh, so that's in Europe. So one of the pyramids is called the Pyramid of the Sun in Bosnia. Uh, and it was covered purposefully with trees and brush. And somebody discovered that these were gi actually a gigantic stone blocks underneath. And so now it's a tourist attraction, which I'm going there this summer. But the reason why I bring it up is because underneath these pyramids, there's this tunnel system that connects them all in this valley. And in the tunnel leading into the sun, the pyramid of the sun, there's a gigantic crystal, uh, tuning crystal, found right at the entrance of one of the tunnels, and it had writing on it. And this writing was written in runes and was deciphered. And the writing says that we must stand and fight. We're in a battle. We must stand and fight until we can open the gate. You're talking about a stargate. So the, one of the people who was standing there manning that position wanted to leave a record behind as to the war this is right around the same time frame as the last pyramid war was recorded so with Armand Ra and everything else so uh, are these the same the the same tunnels I think Peter Moon wrote a book about this is this the same set that we talked about the same area yeah yeah same area yeah mm -hmm. so, yeah that he, he wrote a book about that I think yeah. he called it uh, something about the bat and he wrote about that as well that he uh, had gone in and uh, Taking a look at that. That's got to be fascinating. Uh, now, you, are you going to do video or documentary to go with that? Yeah, everything that I do now, I'm going to do a lot more intensive recording. The few, the, you know, the five or six places I went last year, I've got some video content I'm putting together. And I realized as I was putting it together from all those trips that I didn't add enough extra for cutting. So this time I'm making it. So I have enough from those previous trips around the world to make. You know, decent, you know, 30 minute videos. But now to make full documentaries, I realize I need a lot more content. So uh, that's my main mission now this year and well, going into 2020 is to get make sure I get enough footage that each location I go to can be converted into at least a, a 60 to 90 minute documentary. So I'll be taking some extensive video footage, interviews on site, talking, talking with guides, talking with archaeologists, talking with the people in the surrounding area. Filming the and uh, getting great content of the of the uh, uh, you know of the actual anomaly itself, and and so forth. And everywhere I go, I'm going to duplicate that same exact technique everywhere I go on 4K cameras to make sure I have the highest quality available that I can put up on the network. Absolutely, you know what's amazing is I do video work as well, mm -hmm. and the technology now has become so wonderful mm -hmm. for for portability. I yeah. mean, what you can do with a smartphone now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just over the top. I know. It's incredible, man. <laughs> I mean, and you can even get better. I have a couple of uh, 4K cameras mm -hmm. that do wonderful work. The lenses, they've got Leica lenses. I mean, and the price points on these cameras now are just utterly amazing. Yeah. And what you can get with them. And it's just for what you can carry, you know, in a small little bag with yep. you. Exactly. Or just a couple of smartphones. You can get a great two or three camera That's shoot. It. Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, absolutely. So that's great. So you'll be able to carry, get some great footage now, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be able to get great footage. I've got um, a Sony 4K cam. I have two Sony 4K cams, which are really like just camcorder size. So there's no permit required because they don't look like movie cameras. 
Exactly. So yeah. they're not asking you for the bond and for the mm. per shooting mm -hmm. permits or any of that. Right. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, do you, are you and the drones now oh, that you yeah. can carry in your pocket? Mm -hmm. I got two of them. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. I remember the last time I talked to you, you were going to Angkor Wat. Yeah. And I said, uh, what about bringing a drone with you? Did, were you able to do that? No, they didn't. They had this long process to get approved for the drone, and you had to pay all these fees. And everything. by the time it was all said and done, three months would have went by, and my trip was only, you know, obviously a few weeks away. So I was like, "Well, this is this is not going to work." Um, and if, if you bring the drone with you, they just confiscate it, you know. So, oh wow! Yeah, yeah so it's lost. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, I know. They had a height restriction and all this other kind of stuff. So. That oh, no one didn't kidding. work out. But for for people listening to this, if you're going to travel to uh, other countries to and you want to take a drone and record things, make sure you verify that you can actually take it and use it in that country before you take the drone. Otherwise, you could lose a very expensive piece of equipment. Might be good to maybe network with somebody in that country that already has one. Right. That's the best way to do it. already got all that clearances and everything done, so mm -hmm. maybe that's some, some advanced legwork you, you would want to do. Yeah. That's good to know. I, I had no idea that uh, some of these countries had these kinds of restrictions. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. So, well, you've got yeah. photos that... Uh, uh, Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. Were you able to do any droning there? No, I wasn't able to do any droning there. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even bring the drone uh, to that area just because I already had pre-read about the, a lot of the restrictions that they had. And oh, I was yeah. like, I don't even want to go through this. So I just said, you know what? Forget about it. I'll, you know, I'll just do camera. So I just took, uh, I had a 4K camera and I also had, of course, uh, uh, the uh, Galaxy Note, I think, 8, which was recording in 4K. And I had an iPhone that recorded in 4K. So I got some decent footage at Machu Picchu and all throughout Peru. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been going for about an hour and a half. Is there mm -hmm. anything else you want to you wanna bring up, Billy? Well, uh, I want to thank everyone that follows me on my Instagram account, Forbidden Knowledge. I have one of many accounts, but that particular one account reached one million followers uh, just a couple of weeks back. So that's exciting, and I want to thank everyone for you know that is that's listening that follows that account. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, I think it's at a million twelve thousand now, which is fantastic. And uh, I just want to thank everyone for you know just following the accounts. I mean, all together now, I'm, I'm about four million followers between all my social media accounts. There's a lot of you know, very good, faithful people out there that are listening and looking for more content and information, and I'm going to keep bringing it to you. I, you've got a you've got a, a huge audience now. Um, there was one more. I don't think there was another question. Um, just uh, want to thank the folks in the chat room. Uh, you folks can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com to check out Billy's stuff. Definitely get the book mm -hmm. Emerald Tablets. Great book. And I really like the rework on that. Everything you're doing, Billy, just really a fan here. And I'm, I'm just, uh, you're, you're a great example for what one guy can do, uh, motivated and just plugging along and doing what you do, knowing your role, knowing your own personal mission. Uh, it's so good to see that uh, somebody has uh, is doing what you're doing. Thank so I uh, just want to give my hats off to that. Um, and if nobody else has any more questions, uh, ForbiddenKnowledge.com, and we've got the slide up there, uh, Free People of the Cosmos. Uh, I've got um, some bling, and I'm sure this is active on your account too, uh, Billy, on your YouTube. Uh, do you have Teespring or any of that stuff embedded on your YouTube? Oh, no, I don't have anything. And YouTube, was de I was demonetized about two years ago. So I don't oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, they were brutal. Yeah. Uh, I went through that too. Okay. So my channel just took a major... Uh, pummeling. Wow. But uh, yeah, so okay, well, I didn't know if you had anything like that going on. 
So until the next time, I want to thank you, Billy. Uh, this was great. Great talk. Learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always bring great nuggets, and I can't wait for you to come back. I know you you lead an incredibly busy, busy, busy world. Yeah. Uh, you're definitely on the on the go. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to run the uh, run the music, and right. I want to thank everybody else for uh, coming out. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Next time. All right. All right. Thanks again, Billy. All I right. just hang out a little bit here after I yep. uh, start the. Hey, everyone. This is Billy Carson also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please, check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book.